I have a voice and I'm going to use it. This is Joy Silver with Outspoken. Welcome to all you defenders of democracy. Are you ready to stand up and fight back? Well, if you are, I'm with you, my friends. Outspoken with Joy Silver is presented by Harcourt's Desert Homes. Scott Palermo and James Sanic will be here in a few minutes to share more about how they can help you with your real estate needs in the Coachella Valley. We're thrilled to have them on board. You'll find them at harcourtsdeserthomes.com. And today we're going to talk about the legal case for prosecution of the January 6th insurrectionists. And we have as our return guest, Julie Bornstein, attorney, retired ED of Coachella Valley Housing, assembly member, and Julie always has great thoughts to share. And I'm so happy you're with us today, Julie. Welcome to Outspoken. Thank you, Joy. Thank you. We've been treated to just the hearings of January 6th, and whatever horror we thought was happening, it's turning out to be way worse than we expected. What's been your response to watching these hearings, and what are your thoughts on this prosecution case? Well, of course, the prosecution uh, will not be brought by Congress. It will be brought by the Department of Justice, and they would have to, in any criminal prosecution, feel comfortable that they could make the case and have the evidence that would com- that would convict beyond a reasonable doubt. So it's a different purpose. But clearly, the congressional hearings are looking at the totality of the facts. And so whatever the congressional hearings disclose have a real impact on an ultimate criminal prosecution. And, and I would see it in, in two ways. One is that they're developing evidence that can be then shared with the Department of Justice in the in the legal and criminal case. And two is uh, preparing the public for a history, the potential of a history-making event, which b- would be the prosecution of a former president of the United States, something that our country has never experienced. That's an interesting thing. Um the pre- the preparation of the public and and I, I've I've thought that also Julie I I, I kind of see it um, I I felt that way similarly in that uh, this this is an almost an educational process for the for the American public to realize why we're moving into this this direction do you think that some of the facts that have been presented so far are are making a case for a criminal prosecution. I think that they are, because the uh, various crimes have been part of the discussion, not only in the hearings themselves, but with the media coverage of the hearings, which has a lot to do then with what the public's acceptance would be of this historical event, the, the criminal prosecution of a president. And it wouldn't just be the president. It's beginning to look like uh, his chief of staff, Mark Meadows, has severe exposure. Um, Peter Navarro, who right now is under criminal liability for contempt of Congress, but continues to make public statements that exposes him to higher criminal liability, and potentially the wife of a Supreme Court justice, which would also be an extraordinary historical event. So Uh, the public has to be accepting of the legitimacy of these prosecutions. And so 
the comments of the media go a long way towards that that public education process. Uh, the um, do you see so far? What would you identify as uh, the outstanding crime that has been committed? Well, uh, it, 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 so far we're seeing crimes in a variety of ways. Uh, the obstruction of the um, legal process of Congress is certainly one of them. Uh, conspiracy to commit sedition is another one. Uh, and then we recently learned something that I wasn't aware of before, that the $250 million raised uh, by the Trump campaign for this uh, legal defense fund uh, which doesn't exist, there was no legal defense fund, it has still not been formed, has found its way into the uh, Trump Hotel Organization and into a nonprofit operated by Mark Meadows. Uh, and we have no idea what that nonprofit does other than perhaps employ Mark Meadows, as well as another uh, nonprofit institute that employs a number of Trump loyalists who used to serve on the White House staff. So they went from a government salary that they earned because Trump appointed them, uh, and, and they, they apparently assisted him in these activities, to now working for a nonprofit that is funded by donations that Trump has solicited based on a, uh, a false statement and a false scenario. So uh, there are those activities as well. And, and so there's a, a variety of exposures of what we know so far. We're not even halfway through the hearings yet. Well, that's and that's what we know. And of course, we also don't know what the Department of Justice has been able to find. They have, in many ways, superior evidence gathering tools that uh, aren't available even to Congress. And so we don't know what the Justice Department might have that Congress does not have. Wouldn't what you just described on the basically fraud, does it? would you see that as a, a cause for uh, RICO? Would that be a RICO case? Well, I haven't been connected with a RICO case since the 1970s, <laughs> so I'm not sure what the exact state of the law is mm -hmm. uh, on RICO at the moment. I, I, I mean... Just um, anecdotally, I have personally always described the Trump family as America's crime family that we gave the keys to the Treasury to. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, it's possible it could be made out. I, I think one of the things that we have to understand is the Justice Department will look at all of the possible crimes that could be charged off of the facts that they discover, and then they most likely will select those crimes that they believe they can they can uh, win a conviction on. Uh, it would be, I think, a, a historical disaster if a president was charged and then found not guilty on all charges. Right, right. Now, that makes a lot of sense. My One of the, the things and um, that, that's most concerning, certainly to many of us, is that a hundred uh, at least a hundred candidates uh, on on the um, in the Republican Party are still using the big lie as their platform for many of their campaigns. Are we going to be able to reach that percentage of the population? I mean, how do we reach that percentage of the population to look at the facts that are being presented, because it, it just doesn't seem like that's making a dent in that campaigning process. 
Well, uh, at one point, let's keep this in perspective. Uh, it's about a third of the Republican Party that that is committed to the big lie. Now, granted, they're a very vocal third. Uh, we saw that in the coverage of the uh, state Republican convention in Texas this past weekend. They are very vocal one third. And they uh, are loyal voters in the primary, so they've been able to advance the cause of these candidates who believe in the big lie to the general election. Uh, and that, and this is a big threat. I don't mean to minimize it, but the overwhelming majority of Americans don't believe the big lie. Polls now show close to 60 percent of Americans believe that Trump does have criminal liability and should be charged for crimes without specifying which crimes. And and so the, the majority is still, I think, committed to the rule of law and wants to see accountability. Uh, today, Professor Larry Tribe of Harvard has put out an article that sets forth a plan of action that all of us who want to defend democracy and preserve the integrity of our elections should take on, in my personal opinion, as a personal charge and follow the steps that he lays out. Uh, because it's, it's not just these candidates who are running. We're already seeing what happens with the uh, county issue in New Mexico, mm. where a three-board uh, voting commi- election commission, all Republicans, refused to certify a vote in a Republican county that Trump carried, where Republicans were winning nominations, and they refused to certify the vote. Now their Supreme Court has ordered them to certify it, and only two of those three members are willing to follow the court order. And so that, to me, is the canary in the coal mine singing about as loudly as we would ever want a canary to sing, (laughs) and we all have to pay attention. So I'm trying to share Professor Tribe's uh, op-ed from today because I think First of all, he's a brilliant man and and a recognized expert in in all of these areas. And secondly, it's a very common sense, straightforward, achievable plan of what each and every one of us can do to protect our democracy from that kind of belief in the big lie. This canary singing in New Mexico, with only two of the supervisors there agreeing to certify the results, Should there be a federal action taking place around these issues? Well, it could be federal action. At this point, the state Supreme Court has ordered the election certified, and on a two-to-one vote, it has been certified. Uh, It would be up to the state court at this point to find a recalcitrant commissioner in contempt of its order because he refused to go along with it. So they have that tool is in contempt. Interestingly enough, that same commissioner, who is the founder of Cowboys for Trump, uh, is already facing sentencing for the crimes he committed on January 6th. And from what I've read, I, I haven't looked at the court case, but from what I read in the media, Part of that is being on probation, and if he is found in contempt by the state court, I wonder if that would be a violation of his probation, which would automatically send him to jail without uh, any further legal proceedings. And so it may be that the federal court is willing to stay away from that prosecution. Again, that would be a Department of Justice decision. They may choose to stay away from that because 
he's already looks like he's in jeopardy to be spending some time in jail by his current actions. That is a concerning item when we're looking at some of the participants in the or have been investigated or have done depositions uh, showing that they participated in the January 6th events. And, and often in many of the states, those who purport these same ideas and and that they can continue to be a candidate for public office. How do we allow those people who are running on these big lie ideas and certainly some of the platform of the Texas Convention, the state uh, GOP convention, how do we stop these candidates from legally being able to run for office? It seems to me that if they're part of an insurrectionist, even their philosophy or continuing to purport the lies of what is actually happening in government, how are they able to run? I, I don't understand that. Well, let, let's ask a different question. How are they able to win? And then we go back to my favorite four-letter word, which is vote. In this last primary election here in our state of California, um Fewer than 30% of the eligible voters voted. And so what you have is the most rabid, the people who are most convinced that they can get control if they all show up, show up. And, And these people are a danger, not, certainly it's, they shouldn't be running, but they are running. But their danger is that they get elected. And what happens is they get elected if the rest of us don't vote. So we must turn out in record numbers and vote against those people so that rational folks dedicated to the mission of the office they seek. So if it's a secretary of state and they're charged with running elections, we want people who are committed to running fair Nonpartisan, non-ideological elections that follow our traditional tried-and-true methods uh, and want fair and, and uh, secure elections. Uh, these folks, of course, the people you're talking about, they're not. They're there for the big lie. They're, they're there to overturn elections. They're there to cast doubt on the voting process. Um, the 14th Amendment says if you ever you know, participate in an insurrection, you can't hold office. But a lot of these folks didn't participate in the insurrection. They just believe the big lie. Well, we're going to continue our conversation with Julie Bornstein on the legal case for prosecution of the January 6th insurrectionists. But first, we want to share with you about our program sponsor, Harcourt's Desert Homes. Hello, I'm Scott Palermo. And I'm James Sanak. We'd like to take a moment to share with you our unique and successful approach to working with Coachella Valley home buyers, sellers, and real estate investors. Our goal is to build a people-first brokerage, and a significant part of that is making certain that our customers can always count on working with quality, like-minded agents. At Harcourt's Desert Homes, James, myself, and our extraordinary team of dedicated real estate professionals are privileged to work with the best clients through our commitment to personal service and attention to a client's every detail. That commitment is how we have achieved the honor of being ranked at the top 1% of realtors in the desert cities. We have been named to the best of the best realtors in the Coachella Valley by Palm Springs Life magazine. 
Scott mentioned the word unique a moment ago, but it's not just a marketing buzzword for Harcourt's Desert Homes. In fact, it's our superpower for helping clients worldwide. Harcourt's International is one of the half dozen most successful real estate companies around the globe with more than $34 billion in annual revenue. And it's the unique selling proposition that led us to affiliate our brokerage with Harcourts here in the Coachella Valley. That's right, James. Harcourts Auctions. This platform separates our brand from the rest of the pack. Think of this as a marketing tool similar to Christie's Art Auction in New York City. Just as with other luxury items and fine art, Harcourts Auction sells luxury real estate to high net worth consumers. For more than six years, our brokerage has won more than 100 sales production awards. We'd love to put that achievement to work for you. We specialize in properties in Palm Springs, Rancho Mirage, Palm Desert, Indian Wells, and La Quinta. If we can help you, please reach out to us at 760-864-4100. Again, that's 760-864-4100. Or visit Harcourts Desert Homes online at harcourtsdeserthomes.com. That's H A R. C-O-U-R-T-S, deserthomes.com, Harcourts Desert Homes. We're located at 119 North Indian Canyon Drive in downtown Palm Springs. Remember, in in real estate, estate, knowledge knowledge is power. And we are back with Julie Bornstein here on Outspoken with Joy Silver and the legal case for prosecution of the January 6th insurrectionists. Before we had our break, Julie, you spoke about if you're participating in insurrection, you, you, you cannot hold public office. But are not the candidates participating in insurrection if they are running on a platform of a big lie? Uh, no, because you, you can't be jailed for your thoughts or your words unless they incite violence. And at that point... These folks, uh, unless a legal case can be made that they actually incited an act of violence, uh, I I don't see that that can be possible. Uh, And so even if they say the most reprehensible things, even if they say the most outlandish things, even if they say they believe that the elections are completely unreliable and that's why they're running to control them, it's still up to the voters if those are the people they want to put into office. And what I'm concerned about is that over the years, our lives have been one where we put so many things on autopilot. Mm -hmm. You know, everything is automatic. Uh, And so we as voters sometimes think that there's something in the system automatically that will get the outcome we want without us having to be voting. And that's not the case. We must vote. That's the way it's been since the establishment of the of the Constitution, and that's our tool. So we have to understand what each candidate stands for, and we have to vote for the candidates who preserve the integrity of our elections and vote against those who believe the big lie and want to put it into action by running for office. Well, before we get into voting, I just want to ask one more question. How do you feel about the congressional members who gave tours to the insurrectionists? Are they not part of the insurrection then at that point? 
I think a legal case can be made that they can. Um, the law of conspiracy doesn't require every person in the conspiracy to take every action towards its ultimate objective. If the objective of the conspiracy in this case was to prohibit the confirmation of the Electoral College votes, then anyone who took any action to further that objective, I think, could meet the legal liability of participating in a conspiracy. So members of Congress who gave tours to insurrectionists so they could get a better sense of the lay of the land in the, in the Capitol, or who uh, provided information such as what the Supreme Court was arguing in private chambers uh, to people organizing the insurrection, or in any other way provided material support, or as we say in the anti-terrorism law, support and comfort. But anyone supplying material support to those who participate in the insurrection could face legal liability for being an active participant in the conspiracy, even if, as members of Congress, they were literally under the same guns that non-participants were. That would be quite a clearing out, I think. Um, and I think that the, the public certainly needs to see some strength in uh, in this prosecutorial uh, moment in time. I mean, let's go back a little bit. Do you think that what we're seeing now is worse than what we saw with Richard Nixon, and can you compare the two events, certainly from a public point of view? Well, I think you can. People of my generation are now living through both of these huge presidential scandals. Uh, In my mind, uh, the Trump situation is much worse than Nixon and Watergate. Nixon's objective was to win the election, And the irony, for those of us who were around at that time, is he was going to win the election anyway, even without stealing the playbook of the Democratic Party. But it was pure politics to give him an advantage at the election. And he he did not um, try to overturn the vote of the people. He tried to influence the people uh, in illegal means. And then, of course, the cover-up, when he used the tools of government to cover up what he did uh, made it worse. Uh, The good thing, if there was a good thing in Watergate, is that the Republican Party stepped up to defend the Constitution and put country over party. It was Barry Goldwater, it was the Republican leaders in Congress who went to Nixon and said, we will vote to impeach you if you do not resign. So he resigned. Look what we have here now. We have a president who incited a violent conflict in Congress for the sole purpose of staying in power in spite of the fact that he clearly lost the election by some 7 million votes and by a substantial margin in the Electoral College. Uh, That goes to the very fundamental principle of what makes American democracy great and is our historical tradition. So uh, I I think this is much, much worse. And then, of course, the leaders of his party didn't stand up to him and say, you can't do this. You you are violating our fundamental principle that makes us a democratic uh, republic. They're backing him up. Why do you think so? Why is that? Why is that? Why has the Republican Party 
become the way has slipped so far back into this madness? Well, because power and control is more important to them, apparently, than patriotism, number one. But secondly, if you look at if you get a 30,000 foot view, the Republicans are now a very much a minority party. If you went strictly on popular vote, they can't seem to win an election. Even in 2016, Trump had fewer votes than Hillary Clinton, but the distribution of those votes gave him the Electoral College victory, and that's what elects our president. But on popularity, on on pure number of votes, Trump lost. Clinton won. In 2000, Gore won. Bush lost. So there have been very few elections in the last 40 to 50 years where Republicans can carry a majority of the votes. And they know that. Uh, you would think a party like that would make an uh, effort to reach out to new voting blocks, new demographics. But as we've seen, especially under Trump, but it's been going on for a while, they are not. Mm-hmm. They are actually relying on the same base of older, white, native-born, uh, sort of traditionalist conservatives who are growing smaller and smaller in number. So their only hope for winning elections is to gerrymander, is to rely on the Senate, which is by state rather than by population, on the Electoral College, which is their strategy. Rather than winning the popular vote, they only need to win the Electoral College vote. And, of course, the filibuster. And so they are relying on a number of tools to stay in power when purely by the number of people who support their policies and who vote for their candidates would never allow them to do that. And to me, that's all evidence that they're putting power and control over country. Well, what you've stated about the the voting and the Electoral College, this seems to be at odds with your prescription for how we move forward. You talked about we need to vote, but at the same time, people who are voting see that their votes are not really making that difference. And you just outlined a few uh, examples of where the votes really didn't move things forward, even though we ostensibly won certain elections like the Gore and the Clinton uh, campaigns and and, uh, elections. How do we how do we motivate people to vote when they when the feeling I'm not saying it's the reality, but when the feeling is that I'm going to vote, but it doesn't make a damn bit of difference. But it does make a difference. Uh, Obama was elected twice under the same conditions. Uh, Clinton, uh, Bill Clinton was elected twice under the same conditions. The House of Representatives has been um run by Democrats under the same conditions. So, number one, your vote is a direct vote for your Congress members. So the House of Representatives can and and would be the last line of defense here because it's by population. That's where the actual number of votes makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two is what we were talking about with these insurrectionist candidates, the, the ones who believe in the big lie. Vote for the candidate who will defend our democracy. Forget party. But again, people like to put things on autopilot. So if they if they identify as a Republican, they vote Republican and don't bother to find out, is this a 
Republican like an Adam Kinzinger or Liz Cheney, dedicated to country over personal gain? Or is this a candidate like a Kevin McCarthy or a Jim Jordan, who are just bomb throwers who want the attention? Uh, we do have to do our research to know who we're voting for, and then we have to vote for the candidate who will defend democracy. That would make a difference even in some of these so-called red states, because they have voted for Democrats in the past. And it's important for people to not put their vote on autopilot. One, it's important for them to vote, but two, it's important for them to vote for a candidate and not a party. Well, and so it, it can make a difference. And in fact, it's really the only thing that makes a difference. So I guess part of my uh, response to your, your question would be another question. What's the alternative? What's the alternative? And you know how I feel about voting in Riverside County, Julie. I'm certainly a proponent of motivating people to get out there and make a difference. And certainly having vote, voting people come out is a critical part of our democracy if they still want to see democracy in operation. And, and hopefully we'll see some change. I know I'll continue to work hard on that, and I know you do too. And thank you, Julie, right. for being our guest today and always a great and fascinating conversation. We could go on, I'm sure, for another three hours, but <laughs> thank you so much. This has been Outspoken with Joy Silver, and it's been presented by Harcourt's Desert Homes, specializing in properties in Palm Springs, Rancho Mirage, Palm Desert, Indian Wells, and La Quinta. Click on the link from Radio111.com for more information. And remember, are you ready to stand up and fight back? Because if you are, I am with you, my friends. I am with you. Because this is what democracy looks like.